You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello and welcome to episode 64 of the podcast Two Name Later. I am Chris Willis and I'm joined again tonight by my co-host Stephen Talbert. Stephen, how are you doing tonight? Chris, what's up, buddy? Yeah, man, it's good to be on here with you again. It's been a minute. I don't think we've done one in a couple of weeks, so it's always good to do these. You know, there's a few things have happened. I think it's been, you know, a lot of it's been covered pretty well in the network. So I think we're going to talk about, you know, mostly stuff that that maybe could happen come coming up pretty soon, but yeah, it's you know it's always fun to do these, and and it's good to be back on with you, man. Yeah, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving holiday. I know I it was nice to kind of lay back a little bit, uh, you know, with the baseball stuff. But things are fixing to pick up. We've got the winter meetings getting underway this Sunday in Nashville. Um, hopefully, you know, we're going to start to see some movement. Things have started to churn a little bit uh, this week, uh, you know, as far as baseball off season, and we got a couple of those. Uh, rumors uh have thrown our way this week because uh john morosi bob nightingale have linked the braves to possible dylan cease trade you know i i, I did a mailbag this week and kind of explained how we approach rumors on on the site you know a lot of people just get turned off by them because they've got this idea that the braves never leak anything which is you know it's true for the most part but you know, it's not always true. I mean, we've, I went back four straight seasons where something leaked out ahead of the move actually happening. So, you know, they're worth paying attention to, but you know, it's also worth keeping in mind that, you know, they are just rumors. Ken Rosenthal in his notes column this week uh, said that the White Sox are going to wait until more top guys sign, top pitching, uh, starting pitchers sign this week and, uh, and, uh, you know, and then gauge his market again. It was notable, I thought, that he didn't mention the Braves at all as a possible suitor. We know the Dodgers are in on Dylan Cease. I'm sure other team, a lot of other teams are looking for him, you know, looking at him and thinking because he's got two years of control. You know, he's he's projected to make around eight and a half to nine million dollars through arbitration. You know, it's just going to be really hard to find. You're not going to find a free agent of his caliber at that price point. Plus, he's got the extra year of, of control. But what do you think about uh, seeing the Braves linked to Dylan Cease? Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, we've talked about Dylan Cease. I mean, I, you know, we were talking about him all the way back at the deadline. Um, when it was clear that the White Sox were were one of the worst teams of baseball, it's obviously that they're obviously going to take a pretty big step back in 2024. So it doesn't make any sense to keep Dylan Cease. I think he's definitely going to get traded. And like you said, he's got two years of control, still pretty cheap because he's still in arbitration. So the salaries are really manageable. You know, he is a Scott Boris client, so I, I don't, you know, the, obviously the hope with the Braves is that you you trade for a guy that's got multiple years and then you extend him, you know, to to really get the most value out of him and 
it's not an impossible thing to do with a Scott Boris client, but it is a much harder thing to do with a Scott Boris client because he just, that's what he's known for. He's known for not signing those extensions, trying to get all of his guys to free agency to get max dollars. So, you know, that is an, an extra layer to it. Uh, but Cease as a player, as a pitcher, makes a lot of sense. He's a hard thrower. Um, he's got, he's really, really durable. I mean, he's made not every start in the last four years, but like 97% of his starts over the last four years he's made. He takes the ball every fifth day. I think the Braves really care about durability. I, I think I think that's a big – I've heard Alex talk about it before, about you know games played, games started, games pitched. Like Those are numbers they really care about. And you know I think that's why they went so hard after Aaron Nola because he's a, he's a workhorse guy. Um, I imagine that was some of the um, hesitancy to go after a guy like Sonny Gray because he's had some durability issues. So, you know, it makes sense in a lot of ways. Uh, Dylan Cease is a, an Atlanta guy. He's from Atlanta or he's from Georgia. I don't know exactly what part of Georgia, but he's almost certainly grew up a Braves fan. So, yeah, it makes sense. And, you know, that's, I guess, probably why the rumors, you know, that's probably why they hit a little bit harder because it just on pure logic of it, it does make sense. So, but it's going to be expensive. I mean, you know, the those kind of guys, when they hit the market, they don't hit the market very often. And when they do, they usually bring a, a pretty good return. So it's not going to be cheap. And yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if, if these rumors are just, you know, the White Sox trying to drum up more business or if there's actually some some real fire behind the smoke. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, that's my biggest question about any of these. And I think with the winter meetings uh, cranking up, you know, we may hear some other trade discussions as well. Uh, as far as the Braves go, maybe not just for Cease, maybe for, you know, somebody else. Uh, you know, the Alice Alice uh, typically likes to surprise everybody. Uh, you know, they may come out of left field. Last year it was Sean Murphy, you know, even though they already had a pretty good catching situation. You know, they were, they were able to go out and, and get a guy like Murphy and then get him locked up. I think, you know, the uh, the extension part is interesting just because of, of the Scott Boris factor. I know, you know, we've mentioned that on, on Twitter a few times and, you know, people will be like, well, why is that necessarily a problem? It's not, you know, I mean, it could happen. They could work out stuff, uh, but it's notable that they don't have a Boris client on their, on their roster right now. But, you know, you mentioned it there. It's going to be expensive. And, you know, I've seen a lot of pushback about the Braves minor league system and, and whatnot. And, you know, it's a it's a double edged sword a little bit because you'll see well they've got to go out and get a starter but then you'll also see well they can't trade AJ Smith Shaver or, or Hurston Waldrop you know and I, I just don't know if you can have it you know quite both ways a, as far as that goes so it is going to be interesting to see what kind of package that would be I mean would the White Sox want Von Grissom you know they've already traded for Nicky Lopez just just signed uh, Paul DeYoung too. You know, would they look at Von Grissom as an outfielder? We're going to talk about that scenario in, later on in the podcast. But, you know, you've got other guys like Owen Murphy, J.R. Ritchie. Uh, he's coming off Tommy John surgery, but I think, you know, he's still an intriguing prospect. Spencer Schwellenbach. Alex has said over the uh, multiple times over the last two years when he gets questions about the strength of the minor league system, and it's clear the Braves don't agree with the rankings. The Braves are not talking up their own guys, you know, as far as top 100 prospects and, and their minor league system. But, you know, I think it's always notable. I mean, he's made it clear to us after each of the last two trade deadlines that there wasn't a deal out there that they couldn't make. Now, whether you want to believe that or not, but that's you know that's what he said. He he felt like there were there were deals that they could make. They had the pieces to make them if they wanted to make them. So you know that uh, to me it comes down to the price. But I don't see how you're going to get cease 
without at least including one of Smith Shaver or Hurston Waldrop. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and that's the thing that I think some fans forget is that you're not just trying to match up value for value, cease for, you know, this prospect and this prospect and you add them together and they equal the value of Dylan cease. Like it's not, it's not a video game. Like you're, you have to be the best offer. Like you're in a competitive market with the Dodgers and who, who, you know, who, who else knows what other teams are in on this and your offer has to be the best one. So it's not just, can you build a package that equals Dylan cease in a trade simulator? It's, can you put a package together that the white Sox will look at as the best offer on the table? And that's where it gets tricky. And, you know, the Bra- I think the Braves have the pieces. I, I mean, I agree. I think Vaughn Grissom and, you know, a package built around Grissom and Smith Shaver is probably as good as most packages out there. A lot of it comes down to what the White Sox, you know, who the White Sox like. Uh, prospect rankings are very subjective. Uh, every organization has their own rankings of, of all the players around the league. And, there are some teams that probably really like Von Grissom and some teams that don't like Von Grissom, just like there are within the Braves organization and, and within the Braves fan base. And same thing with Smith Shaver. And, you know, if you happen to have a, a guy that you want that's on a team that really likes your prospects, then that increases your chances of being able to get him. But if, you know, if you, if Detroit really doesn't have any, or I'm sorry, if Chicago doesn't have any interest in, and Vaughn Grissom, like you said, because they've already got some middle middle infielders, then you know you're just you're you're out of luck. There's not much you can do about that. So it really comes down to kind of subjective rankings and, and how different teams view different prospects. On on the whole, just in general, I do think the Braves have enough to go get. You know, if they shopped around a Vaughn Grissom, AJ Smith, Shaver package, I think the Braves can go get a really good starting pitcher somewhere with that package. Maybe not Dylan Cease, but. Somewhere out there, I think the Braves could probably use that package of players to get somebody. But like you said, I mean, that's in in some ways that's robbing Peter to pay Paul, right? Because you're giving away one of your best pitching prospects in a time where you really need pitching. So you have to be careful. And this is one of the hardest parts of contending is knowing which prospects to trade, which young players to trade, and knowing which ones to keep. It's probably one of the most underrated parts in terms of really being able to affect you know, how well you do and, and not be, not trading away, you know, great, great players. And so that's the, you know, that's, that's the game. And that's the whole thing. That's why these guys get paid as much as they do, because these are very tough decisions and they're critical ones. So, you know, that's the decision Alex going to have to make is Hurston Waldrop is AJ Smith Schauber. Could those guys be, could they be Dylan Cease in a couple years? And therefore, is it worth trading them to only get two years of Cease now? Like that's, that's the whole game. So, you know, uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch. Yeah, and agreed. And I mean, and just the added wrinkle to all this is, you know, the Braves don't need just a starter for next year. I mean, it's almost the situation where 2025 is almost a bigger scenario than anything else because they kind of, you know, they you've got Max Freed who's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. You've got Charlie Morton who's, you know, I mean, he's going to be 40 years old this year. You know, the odds, the odds are he he's not going to be back. You know, could Smith Shaver, Waldrop, fill a spot in that 2025 rotation maybe maybe both of them could you know that would be a that would be something to really hope for but at the same time it's not guaranteed and you know anybody they acquire this year and I think that's the that's what they're really looking for they're looking for team control you know and he kind of talked about that at trade deadline last year they tried to make a splash in the rotation 
but they didn't want to trade for a rental. They wanted to trade for somebody that had multiple years of control. So, uh, you know, it, it's a tough situation that they're in. I mean, the one thing that hasn't, I don't think it's been talked about enough yet. And I mean, it's going to, it's not going to go over well if it does happen, but the Braves still have this off season, the trade deadline next off season, you know, to worry about 2025. So, you know, if they can't get it done, I still think they're going to add a starter. But, you know, they may have to address the rotation post-Max Freed, post-Charlie Morton, you know, at a later date. And they can still do that. So, but yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting and it's really going to be interesting to see if we hear anything out of the winter meetings, you know, if any other possible trade rumors pop up, you know, and 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 just see what kind of kind of see what all they're they're really considering because i think that's what that what's that's what inter- interests uh, a lot of people the uh the, the the only other thing i'll say about it is and this is what a lot of people have been talking about this conundrum of which guys to trade which guys to keep is why i it's that's why i'm in favor of signing free agents because you know if you go sign you know, if you go sign Jordan Montgomery, if you go sign, if you go sign one of these decent starters, you know, Marcus Stroman, Eduardo Rodriguez, Yamamoto, if you go sign one of these guys, yes, it's it's a lot of money, it's a lot of years, but you keep all your prospects. And so, if Hurston Waldrop turns out to be a, a tremendous pitcher, then yeah, you've taken risk in terms of the money you're getting giving out to free agents, but you're not having to do so at the risk of giving away great young players, which hurts a lot worse than giving out a bad contract to, you know, a free agent. And I I know I'm somewhat in the minority on that. I know a lot of people are very risk averse with free agents, especially free agents starting pitching. It's a very dangerous place to to be. Um I get that. It, it really is. It's a very volatile market, but you know, if you need pitching, then trading away young pitching is a very dangerous game. And the Braves are like you just said, it's not just a one-year problem. The Braves have rotation concerns going into the future as well. So you have to be very, very careful about trading your best pitching prospects. And the best way to not have to do that is to sign free agents, just to sign guys on the open market. Even if you don't go get one of the top, you know, even if you go get like a Lucas Giolito and just hope you get a bounce back season or think, you know, you get them out of the White Sox organization, you get them into a better organization, you give them a better catcher, better framer, like maybe we get more out of him, right? Like even if you do that, I think that's better than giving away a lot of your premier young pitching because that's going to kind of be what you, you're going to need over the next few years. Um, and the Braves don't have a lot of it in their system. You know, Smith, Schauber, uh, Waldrop are, are probably the two premium ones. And I understand why people want to trade them. I understand that you want to get you want to go get a guy like Cease, but again. If you need pitching, then trading away young pitching is a, is a dangerous proposition, and and it a lot of it is alleviated by just you know signing free agents. Yeah, and I mean that's a good point too because, I mean I think we got caught up when the Braves were linked to Aaron Nola. You know, it, a lot of people consider Nola as a top end guy. Where you know I kind of look at it like he was going to be the three for the Braves because I don't think he's a better pitcher than Max Fried or Spencer Strider. Now that's a pretty dang good. Uh, threesome to have you know if if Nola if you had been able to to get Nola but at the same time you know Cease I think kind of fits in that close to that category potentially but you know the stated goal is to find a guy that can eat innings 
you know, give you quality innings and, you know, throw 150 to 180 innings, you know, just to kind of supplement some of the, you know, the younger depth that they have. So, yeah, I think that's a good point. We're going to talk about some of those free agent targets here in just a minute when we, uh, we preview the winter meetings. But yeah, I do think, uh, I think you did hit on that. And, you know, I was kind of pro trade up until earlier this week. And then I kind of started looking at the free, what free agents are still left out there. And, you know, I think, I think there's some guys that make some sense on deals that the Braves like to make, you know, the shorter, um, you know, maybe high, high average annual value value of a contract, but on a shorter one to two year deal. So we'll just have to see how things uh, materialize. We did get a couple more roster moves yesterday, actually. Uh, The Braves signed uh, uh, Penn Murphy and uh, Jackson Stevens to non-guaranteed split contracts. What that basically means is they get – They'll get one salary if they're in if they're at AAA. They'll get a different salary if they're in the majors. It's non guaranteed. Uh, Murphy, if you remember, the Braves claimed him off of uh, waivers from the Mets, and then non tendered him three days later. He's injured right now. I think it was I think it was a UCL injury last year when he was pitching for the Mariners. He's had some good years out of the out of the Seattle bullpen. Uh, he's an intriguing guy. You know I, he he won't be ready to pitch. I don't think till at least mid season. So, you know, I figure he's going to start the season on the on the 60-day IL, but we'll have to see how that goes. And then Stevens is in the same spot he was last year. He was on a split contract and in, actually ended up getting outrighted off the 40-man roster at the end of spring training, but did make it to the majors, make it back to the majors, although injuries kind of wrecked his season. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious, to, you know, Penn Murphy, I know you've looked at his numbers. I know you've seen – kind of his track record, uh, you know, is that a guy that, I mean, we've seen him add a bunch of guys to this bullpen, you know, Reynaldo Lopez, uh, Pierce Johnson, Joe Jimenez, Aaron Bummer, you know, but I think this is another guy that's, uh, that's intriguing, especially, you know, if he, uh, you know, if he bounces back from this injury. Yeah. I mean, we're, you know, uh, we're, all we do is look at this stuff all year long. So I am ashamed to say that I have looked quite a bit into Penn, uh, Penn Murphy's uh, numbers over the years. But, um, you know, he does strike out a decent amount. He's always run above average, uh, you know, strikeout per nine numbers. Last year, you know, he, he didn't he really didn't pitch last year. So it's tough to really use 2023 at all. Um, and again, there's a very good chance he's going to start the year on the 60 day uh, 60-day IL. So, you don't know what you're going to get at all. And, and who knows if he even survives the roster crunch, if, if one gets created at some point during the season, but he does have stuff, he, you know, the Braves kind of look for a, a type high strikeouts, low walks. You can do a lot with that profile. Um, and that's kind of what he's done in his career. He's not a, you know, the one thing I always worry about is, is he's a, he's definitely a fly ball pitcher. Um, you know, he's, you get him in a place like truest, it could be a little dangerous, but, you know, when you strike out guys and you don't walk guys, you can do a lot with that. So it'll be interesting to see how healthy he is. You know, the Braves obviously have the exact opposite of a roster crunch right now. They have a bunch of open spots they need to fill. So he's pretty safe right now. And the fact that they gave him a split contract means they see something. So, yeah, I it, who knows? I mean, with bullpen pieces, man, who knows, right? I mean, you you never know who's going to be awesome for you one year and, and gone the next. And, you know, he could – we could get to the end of 2024 and, and, you know, Penn Murphy could have played a a large role on the team. So, um, or, you know, this could be the last time you and I ever talk about him. So, Um, but yeah, there is some interesting stuff there. The team, the team didn't give him a split contract for no reason. There there's, 
some interesting things about him that you know could could actually help the team this year if he can get healthy. I thought it was notable he got that split contract, you know, knowing that he's hurt and, and yeah. probably going to start the year on the on the sixty day IL. So he does have options left. So you know, if they can send him on a rehab assignment, and then if he needs extra time, they can option him to Triple A and let him continue to build up. But you know, I think he's an intriguing arm. And, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll have to see what happens with him. Uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about the winter meetings. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. As I mentioned earlier, the winter meetings get underway Sunday at Nashville this year. The winter meetings, if you're not familiar, it's kind of the the centerpiece of the Major League Baseball's offseason. It's when all the executives, all the agents, uh, some free agent players, it's really a who's who. You'll see everybody at these meetings. You know, in the past, we've seen a lot of activity. There's been, you know, a lot of stuff going on. And then we've also seen some that were just like a dud. You know, just not much happened. Uh, but, you know, if you remember last year, I think right at the start of the meetings, there were rum- rumblings that the Braves, you know, were uh, checking in on Sean Murphy. And then uh, that trade ended up happening right after the – about a week later after the winter meetings closed. So, you know, even if deals don't happen, you know, a lot of a lot of the groundwork is laid this week. And I think we're going to start to see some free agents sign some more free agents sign um, at some point. This is also the week you'll have the, uh, the draft lottery, the second second annual draft lottery. The Athletics, Royals, and uh, Rockies all have like an 18% chance to get the first pick. That'll be interesting to see. And then, of course, the Rule 5 draft. The Braves didn't really didn't protect anybody this time. I know Garrett has said uh, on the site that, you know, he doesn't think that there's anybody that – we get picked, but you know, and then another thing I interested, we're going to talk about the bench here in a minute. You know, the Braves have the roster spots to do it. If there's a guy out there that you like, you know, the only rub is, is that they've got to stay on the active roster the whole season. So, you know, we'll, we'll be covering the rule five draft, um, in, in, uh, when that happens, I think that's Wednesday or Thursday. So we'll see how that goes. But, um, you know, the winter meetings, I kind of listed the Braves' needs here, and I want to see if you kind of agree with me. But, you know, the rotation to me is by far the uh, the the biggest thing. They need to add a starter. Left field, obviously, don't have a left fielder. And then the bench, you know, I mentioned this. I don't think this is something that's going to get filled until those other two questions are answered. But you've pointed this out in Slack more than once. They only have 11 guys, 11 position players, currently on the 40-man roster. And if you know – you know, they have to carry 13, basically. So stuff's going to happen. You know, they've got to add they've got to add more position players at, at some point during this offseason. But, you know, is that a, is there another area that you think uh, you know, they need to shore up, or is that pretty much what, where everything's at? Yeah, I mean, some, some of it's going to be resource allocation, right? Like, you can't really do anything until you know what you're going to do at starter. Like, if that's the big move you have to make, 
then how much can you go really spend on your bench or your left field? You know, I, I don't know. I, sometimes I, I think the order of operations matters and I, I, I do think they want to get a starter done before they do anything else. But like you said, they don't, they barely have any position players on the 40. I mean, they've got 11, they've got three total outfielders. I mean, for all of the 40 men, they've got Ronald Cooney Jr., Michael Harris, and Forrest Wall are the outfielders on the 40-man roster right now. So, And I guess Marcelo Zuna, if you consider him an outfielder, but I don't know why anybody would. Um, so, you know, they're going to have to add outfielders. They need, you know, I, I guess Vaughn Grissom is the is the wild card there. We're going to talk about him in a minute. But, yeah, you know, starter, left fielder, bench. I can't imagine they would do more with the bullpen, but that's what I said before they signed Ronaldo Lopez, and then they signed Ronaldo Lopez. So, you know, who knows what Alex really wants to do. But, yeah, that's where I have it. You know, just to jump, dive into the rotation, and, it, you know, it's been interesting because I was a little surprised um, Nola and Gray signed both signed as early as they did just because, I mean, if a, if a team's out there that's going to throw a wad of uh, money at, at Shohei Otani, if they don't get him, then, you know, maybe they would turn around and pay $200 million for Aaron Nola. You know, I mean, I, I, think, it, I think it exhibited both of those players – Really had a specific area that they wanted to get. I th- I really do. F- I don't. Ha- there's no reporting on this, but I kind of feel like for Nola, you know, he might have just looked at Philadelphia and Atlanta as uh, as possibilities. It sounded like Gray really targeted the Cardinals. Uh, you know, I know maybe there was uh, there. You know, that's what else are you going to say after you sign with them? But you know, at the same time, it seemed like he had a specific geographic location that he was interested in you know, and stay in, in, uh, in those confines, but there's still some guys available that are interesting. Eduardo Rodriguez, Jordan Montgomery, Lucas Giolito. You mentioned him earlier. Uh, go a little deeper. You got Marcus Stroman, who I'm surprised how we haven't heard more, you know, more talk about just because of the time Alex and he, uh, you know, crossed paths and had, we're on in Toronto together. You know, and Jack Flaherty, I've seen his name mentioned, you know, down there. But, I mean, there's still some list a list of some guys. And the big thing is, too, and I was noticing this, I had to look it up to make sure I was right, but Otani, who's has got the qualifying offer, obviously, but he's not going to pitch next year. Blake Snell is the only other free agent starter with a qualifying offer, and I don't think he makes a whole lot of sense for the Braves at this point. So, you know, they're, they're free of that. And I don't know how much the qualifying offer – played a part in anything I think the Braves were willing to you know pay the penalties lose the draft picks lose the international money for Aaron Nola I'm not 100% sure they were for Sonny Gray you know um, maybe they were I don't know you know we don't really know if they were truly in on him but now we're we're to the point now where we really don't have to worry about that anymore yeah I, I my guess is the Braves probably were not willing to give up multiple draft picks for Sonny Gray I think if if Sonny Gray had had the durability that Aaron Nola has had for his career, I think maybe the answer is different. But, you know, Gray just represents a whole nother level of risk. And when you add in the fact that he's going to cost you multiple draft picks and, you know, I think he signed for like uh, 375 or something like that. So he's, you know, he costs $25 million a year. He costs you multiple draft picks. If you have con- if you have concerns about his durability, then, you know, that's tough. That's a tough and that's a that, that's a tough one to sell, especially to upstairs and the people signing the checks. So um, I get it, but yeah, the, I mean, you know, I said this. I did a show on on Thanksgiving Day about the payroll, but you know, I think I think they need another starter. I I, I would absolutely go get. I don't, 
you know, with Max Reed potentially leaving, it's easy to say you need a frontline starter. And at some point they are going to need a frontline starter, but you don't technically have to get a frontline starter this year. Um, I think you said that earlier in the show that, you know, technically you can wait till 2025 to deal with 2025 problems. If you just get a guy that can eat innings, if you get a guy, you know, if you don't, you can go get an Eduardo Rodriguez type who's not an ace who can pitch, you know, third or fourth in the rotation and still be perfectly solid, you know, somebody like that. So there's a lot of options still on the table. You know, who knows? Maybe they go get Yamamoto. I mean, I, I would be stunned. It's going to, you know, it's an expensive deal, but he's only 25. If you're going to give out a six or seven year deal, then those are the, that's the age that you want to do it. You know, who knows? Maybe they're interested in that. I, I would be surprised, but even if they go lower than that, even if they get, you know, a kind of more, more of a third or fourth starter, they can solve, they can figure out 2025 next year. So there are a lot of options. Obviously, we, you know, uh, trades, um, there's names that we don't even know about yet that I'm sure are available that Alex has checked in on. But like I said earlier, trades are tough because you're going to inevitably have to give up some of your young pitching to get some pitching back. And, and is that a, is that a net positive for your organization? It's a tough question to answer. So, um, I, I know the, I know the, you know, the headline lately has been the Braves need to go get some frontline starting pitching. Technically speaking, they don't need any more frontline starting pitching for next year. Next year, they still have Max Reed. They still have Spencer Strider. I do think they need a starter, but they can aim a little lower this offseason and and solve the Max Reed problem in 2025. Yeah, and I mean, it's a good point. And the last thing, you know, kind of on the qualifying offer, I think it's another thing, too. If you're going to lose two draft picks, but you're getting NOLA for five or six years, that's easier to swallow than losing tr- two draft picks and only getting Sonny Gray for three. You know, and I think that probably, you know, that calculus probably plays into there. You know, Gray's a little bit older than Nola and then has the durability uh, questions that you mentioned. You know, that's a good point, too. And, um, you know, I mean, I know I know, I would probably get some pushback and some people would call me a homer even. But, uh, you know, let's don't pretend – let's don't even include Otani in this because he's not going to pitch next year anyway. I mean, he's in his second Tommy John surgery. And even if it's a – even if it's the brace procedure – there's still a lot of question marks, you know, as a two-way player. How long can he continue to pitch at that high of a level doing both, going both ways? But I'll be honest with you, I don't think there's a free agent available that are better that is a better pitcher than Max Fried or Spencer Strider right now. So I still think at the best, the Braves are going to be adding a third for starter. Now, it would be nice to get a, a guy that could be your number two in 2025 if Freed's not there. You know, and then you always have to worry about injury. I mean, you know, Spencer Strider was pretty durable this year, you know, but I mean, pitchers break. I mean, that's just part of it. So, you know, and that's that's another reason they need to go out and get somebody, you know, just to add another a reliable arm to this mix. I think Rodriguez is interesting. I worry about that he's going to get, you know, uh, a lot of people are going to, I think Jordan Montgomery is going to get a lot of money here, here soon and a lot of years. And I think, that may inflate Rodriguez's value a little bit. You know, I don't know where Blake Snell's going to end up. But, you know, Stroman, Stroman pitched a lot better than I thought he did last year. You know, when I went and checked his numbers, I was kind of surprised. MLB Trade Rumors projects him two years, uh, $44 million, so it's about $22 million a season. Uh, I think that's the exact same deal they had uh, projected for Lucas Giolito. For some reason, they have Jack Flaherty uh, – uh, projected for a three-year deal at a little less money I wouldn't personally I don't think I would touch Flaherty you know the funny thing about Giolito and Flaherty is you know both those guys didn't um 
you know, weren't terrible until they got traded. And when they got traded after the deadline, you know, those guys pitched terrible. Giolito had an ERA nearly at seven with the Angels and, and nearly at seven with the Guardians. Flaherty ended up, you know, in the bullpen for the Orioles at the end. He was terrible too. Although I do think his, uh, you know, his peripherals were a little bit better. But he's had so many injury issue, issues. I think it, it plays into the durability part. I think Giolito, you know, he's shown in the past that he could give you innings. So, you know, there are still options out there. And like you said, you know, if you can – if they could somehow come out of this and Charlie Morton's your f- number four, then you're in pretty good shape, I think. You know, because I think you can, uh, you know, you can at least slot in what you want, and then you've got all those guys still at AAA that could come up and give you some depth. And Bryce Elder, who threw a career high in his last year. Yeah, they could sign. Uh, they could sign Giolito and Flaherty and just recreate the high school team. All three of them were on, or the, they were both on with, I think they were both on Max Fried's high school team. Isn't that right? Yes. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. You, you know, and, and and a lot of people, a lot of people are linking that. And I don't think that's got anything to do, you know, like Giolito or Flaherty's not going to come and say, I want to pitch for Max Fried. So I'm going to take a cut rate deal. You know, I think a lot of people think too, they, Giolito or Flaherty might be interested in a one year, you know, just a, a make good contract and then go back right back out in free agency. But I'm thinking in this climate, they may not have to do that, you know. And and then on the flip side of that, if you're the Braves and you're worried about 2025, you probably don't want to hand out a one-year contract unless you can get a club option on it, you know, to cover you for 2025 too. So uh, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, I wanted to mention that because I think a lot of people are just looking at it like, we'll just give out a one-year deal. But, you know, player doesn't have if he doesn't have to take a one-year deal, he may take the security. Well, and the funny thing is there was all sorts of these, you know, there was a bunch of these little minor connections to the Braves. You know, everybody kind of started figuring out that Sonny Gray grew up a Braves fan. Um, everybody was pointing out that Aaron Nola's uh, used, you know, um, Rick Kranitz was Aaron Nola's old pitching coach, that they were really close. So, you know, people are talking, you know, well, maybe that'll be the reason he comes to the Braves. You know, you have these guys that pitched with Max Fried when he, they were in high school. It, you know, it was funny to see Dylan Cease's uh, from it, uh, from Georgia, you know, all these little minor connections to the Braves. And like you said, most of the time, none of that stuff matters. I mean, when you get to free agency, I'm not saying a hundred percent of the time, but 99% of the time it's money. It, it just comes down to money years, you know, unless you get into a situation where, you know, a guy really does want to get back out on the market as fast as possible to try to get one more mega contract. And that's the only argument I'll make about Giolito is, you know, he could probably sign a two-year deal um, for a decent amount of money, but if he thinks he can maybe get one more big contract, then you know the best, the, probably the best strategy is, is sign a one-year deal and see if you can just tear it up for one year, and then get back out on the market when you're 30 years old, and maybe you get a four or five-year deal for big money. If I'm Alex, that's you know, like you said, it's tough because you have this lingering 2025 issue. Is it better to go ahead and lock up somebody now for multiple years so you don't have to do you know, because like you said, I mean, there's a world where Charlie Morton and Max Fried are gone next year. So if you sign a pitcher to a one-year deal this year, that's three that's three parts of that's three pieces of your starting rotation that you have to replace in one offseason. I mean, that would be crazy. Uh, and again, we're assuming Max Reed is not going to sign an extension. I know that's an assumption of ours at this point. We're also assuming Charlie Morton's going to retire after this season. That's also an assumption, but. As we sit here today, they're probably the safest assumptions. Everything we talk about in 2025 is an assumption, but you know, the safe assumption for 2025 is that Max Reed won't be here and Charlie Morton 
will retire. So, you know, if you're talking about the balance of probability, the balance of probability is you're going to have to replace those two guys next year. So if you sign a guy on a one-year deal this year, you're going to have to replace him as well. That's three, you know, that's three pieces of your rotation in one offseason. That would be brutal. So that's, that's, that's part of the fact you know, that's a variable here. You know, one-year deals are great, but if you've already got all this work to do on your rotation next year to begin with, how much more do you want to add to it? So, you know, again, that's why Alex gets the, you know, gets the money he gets, uh, the money that he makes because these are very tough decisions and he's one of the best at it. I do trust him. I think he's earned the benefit of the doubt, but it's going to be fascinating. That is for sure. Yeah, and uh, just to close the book on this too, I, I think we need to at least mention Corbin Burns because I know there's a lot of Braves fans that's been interested in it, but you know, to me, he doesn't make it doesn't make quite as much sense. I mean, he's a better, he's probably the best pitcher that might be available through trade. But he's also, you know, he's in his walk year. Basically, he's going to be a free agent at the end of twenty twenty four. You know, I mean, he's basically a better version of Dylan Cease with one year less control because he's got Scott Boris as an agent too, and he might be the headlining free agent next off season. So, you know, I mean, if you spend what it would take to get Burns, he absolutely, he makes you better for 2024. But as you just mentioned, I mean, it just kind of compounds the problems you have for 2025. Don't get me wrong. I would be terribly excited if they somehow ended up with Corbin Burns and, you know, maybe they've pulled wizardry before and could, maybe they could extend him. Uh, But I just don't see, I don't see Burns, you know, taking an extension now when he can hit the open market and, you know, it's just going to be, the bid there's going to be multiple teams bidding for his services. So, but you know, I do think we need to at least mention him. Yeah, I think without knowing any names specifically, I think my least favorite option is trading for a rental because not only are you not solving long term issues, you're giving away long term assets to do it. And you know, d- depending on what it would cost, I'm assuming Corbin Burns would cost quite a bit in prospects. I'm assuming Milwaukee would still want one of your best guys, even for one year. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they can get him for less than that. If that's the case, then yeah, go for it. I, I am not a fan of giving away, you know, premium long-term assets for a one-year rental. I, if you're going to do a one-year thing, just sign a free agent. You know, go sign one of the lower guys and and don't give away big-time long-term assets for for one guy or for one year of one guy. Even you know, I love Corbin Burns. He's a he's amazing. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball. He would make the Braves infinitely better for 2024, but. That's a tough pill to swallow if he walks, you know, if he gets a, a, a bajillion dollars from the Dodgers in the offseason and, and, you know, all you get is a draft pick for him. So, um, but yeah, that is, I mean, that is out there. And there's probably other guys we don't even know about that are out there. Yeah, agreed. And, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of questions about left field. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, I don't know if you agree with me here, but I just feel like left field is so much more a less of a priority. And I know it's that's hard to say when you like you just pointed out you've got three three outfielders plus Ozuna on the on the forty man roster. But if you look up a, if you look at the available free agents, they are there is a long list of people that could, they could sign for left field. I mean, you can go from expensive options like Lourdes Gurriel, you know, to mid what I consider mid tier guys like Jock Peterson to the and Adam Duvall and then cheaper guys like even Robbie Grossman. Now I'm just picking these guys out of a hat because those Braves fans are familiar for those guys. You know, I think there's questions whether Peterson could actually even play left field now. He's 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 looking like a DH. But you know, Robbie Grossman's a good example. He was a league average hitter in twenty twenty three, won a World Series with the Rangers and made two million dollars. 
you know, if they, you know, we don't know what the budget is, and that's something else we really haven't really talked about. They're already in the tax for the second year. That penalties go up. You know, we don't know how far into the tax they will go. Once you hit a, a certain threshold, you know, the penalties go up even more. You know, if they use up all their all their cash on a pitcher, then, you know, I think you're going to see they're going to scrimp by on left field unless they can make a trade or something else. So, uh, you know, I'm curious, uh, you know, what what do you – when you look at this left field spot, I mean, you mentioned it earlier, I think, I think the rotation has got to be solved first. And then just depending on what you had to do to fill the rotation spot determines what you're going to be able to do in left field. Yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna do anything significant in left field, and I think I think the order of operations matters. I think you have to get um, the the rotation figured out first. You know, if you want to give Adam Duvall like three million dollars and and to play left, then okay. I mean, I'm not. I, I, that's fine with me. I, I this this offense is deep enough that you don't have to have you know uh, you don't have to have an elite bat in left field to to feel good about this team. Um, so, and like you said, there's, there's so many guys left field specifically is a very easy position to fill. There's tons and tons of options, usually not only on the free agent market, but the trade market, uh, we learned today or yesterday, I think that the Rays were shopping a Rosarena. Uh, there's a very good chance the twins are going to shop Kepler, you know, teams that are trying to cut payroll. They've got some guys that make some money. It's very easy to have an outfield glut. The Cardinals are a team that has a lot of outfielders. Um, you know, it's just very easy to go get outfielders, especially left field, where you don't have to worry about a lot of elite defense. So, yeah, I'm not worried about it. It is something the Braves are going to have to address. Don't get me wrong. They they need multiple outfielders. They lost Rosario, they lost Pilar, and they lost um, – Sam Hilliard uh, all in the same offseason so and they haven't replaced any of those guys on the 40 man yet so they need depth and they need some major league players at some point they they will sign somebody but unless they do something big there which I don't really see how they would unless you know I mean I guess they could get in the the Rosa Arena um, bidding war if they wanted to it's not gonna be cheap that's for sure and I don't know if the Braves can justify you know, spending more assets on the on the lineup when the rotation has so many needs. But, you know, maybe. Um, my guess is that, you know, we'll get to January and they'll sign, yeah, Adam Duvall. Heck, maybe Eddie Rosario is still out there and, and wants to come back on like a five, you know, one a 1-5 one deal or something like that. So that's my guess. I, my guess is going to be something small, probably a player you're familiar with. Um, and And they'll just kind of add a couple of veteran guys to the bench and call it a day. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I don't really – I think people that are expecting a splash in left field not, are going to be disappointed. And it's just because of the question marks they have in the rotation. Um, you know, I don't see them spending pitching prospects. Uh, as much as I would li- love to have Randy Rosarena, I don't see them spending pitching prospects on a left fielder. You know, could, not with the lineup that they have already. So, you know, I think uh, – you know, I, the thing is – and, and it goes right back to how are you going to fill the rotation? I mean, if Grissom is on this roster, come spring training, I can under I can see them giving him a real shot out there. And um, you know, I do think they're going to sign an outfielder or two to kind of cover them. You know, if they do try to go that route. But left field's also an area that if it's just a complete dumpster fire, they can go get somebody at the trade deadline. You know, and 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 they can they can probably they'll be able to fill that spot. So, um, you know, to me, it's just way 
way more on the back burner. You know, I do think they're serious about giving Grissom a shot. I just kind of question whether Grissom's still going to be on the roster by the time spring training starts. Yeah, that's me. That's me. Me as well. I if the Braves are in any, any sort of trade negotiations, his name is on the table, like almost a thousand percent. So, I, yeah, I mean, I'm with like. Remember, in 2021, the Braves lost their entire outfield to injury and rebuilt an entire outfield on the fly and basically gave up no prospects to do it. Like, it's just so easy to build. It's so easy to go get outfielders. It's just a very easy thing to do. I got a lot of flack when I I tweeted something earlier in the offseason about I would absolutely decline Eddie Rosario's $9 million because his production is easy to replace. People got very offended because, you know, he's a clutch guy and he had a bunch of homers and I'm just like, it's left field. Like to go get a one war left fielder is just the easiest thing in the world. There's a billion of them out there and they make no money and it's, it's just very easy to do. So I wouldn't, I'm not worried about it. It it is something the Braves are going to have to address, but there's a a million different ways they can do it. So it's, it, it will get done one way or the other. The last thing I want to talk about before we get out of here is too, and and this has come up a little bit too. And you know, it, it is intriguing to think about a little bit just because of where they're at with their tax number, you know, and they may need a little room uh, to make a, you know, to make a significant move in the rotation. You know, I don't think there's zero, I think there's zero chance that they're going to trade any of their young core. You know, uh, we've seen speculation about Ozzy Albies, Michael Harris. I just don't think that's going to happen. I think you and I addressed that a couple of weeks back on the show. Uh, but, you know, uh, I saw it floated out there a bunch today. Marcel Zuna had a miraculous bounce back season, 40 homers, you know, and I think he was day. I don't care what they say. I know they deny this, but I feel like he was still maybe a matter of two or three days away from being DFA'd before he just caught fire in Miami and, and started hitting and never stopped. But he's owed $19 million, $18 million this season and a $1 million buyout on his, his option uh, for 2025. And then, you know, Rosel Iglesias, uh, even $32 million. He's owed $32 million, $16 million per the last for the next two seasons. I don't know that you could trade either of these guys. I don't know that they would even think about trading either of these guys. Uh, but that would be an intriguing way if you could um, if you could cut you know for them to cut some salary if they needed to to just redistribute it elsewhere you know with Ozuna I think a lot of people are are acting like that you know he's just got all this value now that he hit last year but I mean I wanted to ask you this I mean when you look at Marcel Ozuna what could you reasonably project for him next year because I have no idea. You know, I mean, uh, you and I, we, when we first started this podcast, I think, you know, there was an Ozuna section every time, every, uh, every episode, because we were trying to, we were trying to get, figure out ways to get him off the roster, you know, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, and then he bounced back last year and was that middle order bat like he was in 2020. So, you know, I don't know if this guy's a 130 weighted runs created plus guy, or if he's an 80 weighted runs created uh, plus guy. You know, so I'm mean, I'm curious. What do you what do you think they're if Ozuna stays? What can you actually count on from him next season? Well, that's the point is you you can't count on anything. Like you can hope for things. And I I made the mistake. I tweeted this out literally right before we went on about how if it was up to me and you had a, if you could get a team to take his 18 million, that I would move him so I could reallocate that 18 million elsewhere on the roster. And I have people in my mentions. I mean, I I'm getting just ripped apart on Twitter right now. Uh, I had to I had to move my phone away from the microphone because it kept buzzing. Um, but people are just like, you know, how are you going to trade away 40 home runs and 100 RBIs? And it's like, 
because you don't know that's what you're going to get next year. I mean, that's what you got last year, but what did you get the two years before that? You got the worst player in baseball. So like, yeah, if the 40 home runs and the 100 RBIs and the 140 WRC plus, like if that's a guarantee for next year, heck yeah, 18 million is a bargain. Stick them in the middle of the lineup and let them go. But like to talk about it like that's a certainty when we still have what happened the two years prior and for the first six or eight weeks of the season last year, like people have very short memories, I guess, but like there's no guarantee that's what you're going to get next year. And if you have a team that will take that gamble for you and you can, again, move 18 million to a different part of the roster, I think you got to consider it. And that, that's what I tweeted out and, and people are not happy. But um, so, yeah, to answer your question, I, I, if I'm projecting him right now, I'm projecting him for like a one, 110 WRC plus guy next year. So probably somewhere in the middle of the last two years, you know, he was an, he was a 75, 80 guy for a couple of years. And then last year he went off on a, to a one forty. So yeah, I'd probably project him at like a 110 WRC plus guy next year, which is, you know, for a DH that doesn't provide a lot of value anywhere else is, is not great. He is a, I, I do want to say this because Marcelo Zuna is beloved in the Braves clubhouse. Like, he his teammates the coaching staff like they love him and i know a lot of fans don't like him because of all the off-field stuff he is beloved in that clubhouse he is a you know um for better or for worse his teammates love him and they and brian snicker loves him he talks about him glowingly so um that matters but if you're alex and it's you know it comes down to a money thing and you know if you can if you can take his 18 million dollars and redistribute it somewhere on the roster I don't know. It's a, it's a tempting thing to do. So um, that, that's why I tweeted what I tweeted. But yeah, to answer your question, you can't count on anything. You can hope for things next year. You can hope for a repeat of 2023, but you certainly you don't need to be counting on that because that's just forgetting what the two years prior looked like. You make a good point because if he wasn't so well locked in that clubhouse, he wouldn't still he wouldn't be there. You know, I'm convinced of that. You know, if he was, uh, you know, if he was to do this, have the off the field stuff that he had, you know, if, if uh, his teammates didn't like him, he'd have been gone. They would have, they'd have cut bait. I don't think he would have ever broke camp with the team last year. Uh, so, you know, that is in his favor. I don't, I wonder, uh, you know, this is probably cynical of me and I shouldn't say this because he was so good last year, but I do wonder, you know, he's towards the end of this contract now, you know, so I don't think motivation is going to be a problem. You know, because he's actually playing, you know, he's playing for that option or, you know, hitting free agency next year with a chance to get, you know, another two or three year deal if he were to hit 40 home runs or whatever. But then on the other hand, I wonder if the Braves could move him without having to eat some money, too, just because all and you've mentioned this multiple times, but I mean, all his values tied to his bat. And when he's great, he he's good. He's really good. But he's just underperformed his metrics for so many seasons. You know, throughout his career, he'll have the monster season, but then he'll have that season that's just, you know, it's underwhelming. And, um, you know, I don't think he's ever, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, cause I've, you know, you guys can go back in through the archives here. And I thought, you know, this is uh, when he had those two back to back seasons, I thought that was who he was at that point. To me, he couldn't hit the fastball anymore and everything. And for whatever reason, you know, it clicked again in, in 2023. And I mean, it made a, a great offense, just even scarier. You know, I do wonder if he's, he's more valuable to the Braves than he is to anybody else. But I agree with you, you know, if you can, if you could clear that money and it would help you add another pitcher or maybe even two pitchers, 
you know, um, you know, one of those guys we mentioned and maybe a guy, a lower tier guy, you know, I think it's something that you might have to consider, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I just was curious. I mean, if you're, you're looking at Marcel Azuna, you know, I hope you're not expecting 40 home runs again. You know, I mean, I'm thinking I just couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't expect that. You know, I mean, his season he had was miraculous, and it was almost two seasons in one, you know, when you look at how bad he he struggled to start. But uh, it's interesting. And then in the bullpen, you know, I got this question about Glacius. I got this question about A.J. Minner even, who's, you know, going to be in the – he's in the same uh, situation as Freed. Obviously, he's going to make a little less money as a reliever. I think he's projected for $6.5 million by MLB Trade Rumors. And, you know, with Freed, you and I talked about this. People still will say, you know, the Braves need to trade Freed. And you're not going to do that when he's your best pitcher and you're trying to win a World Series. You know, we've went through that. But I do think the situation is a little different with this bullpen just because they've went out, you know, and added so many guys. You know, Pierce Johnson, Joe Jimenez, multiple years. Um, Bummer, he's got multiple years available. Um, You know, even Tyler Matzik coming back. Uh, you know, if they wanted to trade a reliever, you know, Iglesias, I don't know if they could move all that money. If you could find somebody to take all that money, you're not going to get anything back. But that's that's a lot of salary that, you know, you could you could redistribute elsewhere. And the same thing with Minner. I think Minner's got value. You know, he's never been a closer, uh, but there's been multiple seasons where he was arguably the best uh, best reliever the Braves had. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. When they traded for Aaron Bummer, that was one of the things I thought about was like, you know, it's a lefty. It's a, it's kind of a nasty guy. They're getting Matzik back. They still have Dylan Lee. You know, are they maybe looking, are they shopping mentor a little bit? You know, he's, it's, it's the last year of his deal. Um, he's due to be a free agent after this year. He's not owed a ton of money. I mean, it's like 6 million bucks, I think is going to be his ARB number. So it's not like massive savings that you're going to get. But I, I, I did think about that when they traded for Aaron Bummer. Iglesias is really interesting to me because I don't like owing a lot of money to relievers, especially over multiple years. And, and Iglesias gets uh, 16 million for the next two years. And that's not cheap for certain. And it's, it's quite a bit of risk. So, you know, if you could get a team to take him and, and maybe get a little something back. And again, we're talking about, I, I want to make sure I'm clear because I think sometimes I'm not always clear I'm talking about reallocating the money to another part of the roster. Same thing with Ozuna. I'm not talking about just like cutting him and then just pocketing the savings. Like I'm, when I say, you know, move on from his money, what I mean is put it somewhere else on the roster. Like, yeah, the bullpen you, is, you need to put it in the rotation. If you right. need to clear some space to add a starter, a good starter, or even a, you know, assign a starter to an extension or, you know, uh, add a second one, even. Uh, that's what, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, it's a it's a reallocation of resource. That's that's what we're talking. We're not just talking about like I get Ozuna had a good year last year. Iglesias had a good last year. These guys could help the Braves win. That's not the debate. It's is that the best use of resources on a team that already has the best offense in baseball? You know, could you move Ozuna's money to another part of the roster if you already have a really deep bullpen like the Braves do right now? Is that 16 million you're paying Iglesias better spent on a different part of the roster? That's the debate. So like. And I'm about to tweet this as well because, I, again, I'm just getting killed on Twitter for my tweet about Azuna. But, um, but yeah, it, you know, that's that, and that's what Alex has to decide is how do you allocate the resources best? And 
you know, if teams say, yeah, well, you know, we're not going to give you a lot in return, but we'll take the whole contract that that has value because now you can use that money on somewhere else on the roster. And so even if they don't do it, it's something they have to consider. And, you know, how you use the money is the other half of that piece, right? Like you can't judge that move until you see how the money is then spent. So I get that as well. But again, if a team offers and it's something you think you might be able to do where you can address a different part of the team, you have to at least consider it. Yeah. And I mean, we don't know how much money they're working with. You know, there's a lot of speculation out there, but they're never going to tell us that. And, you know, and we know from past too that Alex, Alex likes to save some of it, you know, for the trade deadline because the Braves have always went out and, and, you know, been able to go out and get somebody when they need it. You know, I do think it's interesting talking about Iglesias though, you know, and the one constant kind of through all this is, since Alex came on, on board and the Braves started winning these divisions is they've always had that, you know, he went out, uh, I think, what was it? Was it 19 where they went out and got Melanson and Shane Green? And, you yeah. know, they re, they've they always made a priority out of that bullpen. And Brian Snicker has always had a closer. And, you know, I mean, you think back through the years, I mean, we, you know, we thought Will Smith was going to lose that job. It never happened. We thought Kenley Jansen, you know, there was a stretch. Jansen was really good, but there was a week, two week, two week uh, stretch there, you know, where he kind of wasn't like every closer out there. And, uh, you know, we, we thought, wondered if, you know, Iglesias, even after he got there, could he take save opportunities away, but it didn't happen. And then, you know, now Iglesias, I mean, I, what did he have, 30 saves last year? So, you know, that would be the only thing that give me pause just because they've always operated with that closer. You know, I don't I think if you and I were managing a bullpen, we probably wouldn't designate a closer. You know, we would mix and match and, you know, just whatever the best situation called for. But the Braves are still really traditional when it comes to the way they handle the bullpen. So, you know, it would be interesting. And, you, you, you know, I think you hit on it, too. If you remember how the Braves got Iglesias, they basically gave up nothing f- to get him because they were willing to take on his whole contract. Yeah, and they took was, on a, a massive contract. Right. It was Tucker Tucker Davidson and, and Jesse Chavez, and they got Chavez back, what, uh, a few weeks later uh, yeah. after the Angels released him. But they took that whole contract on. So it would be kind of the same deal. They wouldn't really be looking probably to get much back in return. They'd be looking at clearing that, you know, that salary that where they could probably spend it on a starter, or a left fielder, you know, somewhere else. Now, now I, I will say this, and I did mean to point this out. Iglesias, like Iglesias, has two years and thirty-two million left on his deal. Like, if Iglesias was a free agent right now, he would probably get that in free agency, or probably maybe even better he'd than he'd probably than get that. a yeah. he'd get a three, he'd, get, he'd get a three he'd get a three or four year deal. So Iglesias, Iglesias does have some surplus value where you would get a return like you would get you would get a, a player you could maybe get a left fielder like he you know it's easy to lump him and Ozuna together I wouldn't actually do that because Iglesias has enough value built in where you would be able to clear his contract and get something back where, where with Ozuna I think you would just be happy to clear the contract so I those two while easily lumped together I probably wouldn't do that yeah, you're you're probably right. You're probably right. That's a miss. Uh, I'm misspeaking there uh, with that because you're right. If he's on the market right now, I don't think he'd have any trouble getting a four year deal from somebody, um, you know, for more than thirty two million. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I don't know that any of that's happening. I don't know that they would, you know, consider trading any of those guys. But to me, if they're gonna, tra- if they need to trade somebody to subtract salary you know, to reallocate some salary, um, to free up some salary for a starter, 
these are this is the area that you might see it. And I think AJ Minner's really interesting just because of the amount of I mean, we ended the season with not enough left handed relievers. Uh but like you said, you get Tyler Matzik back, you've got Aaron Bummer and uh uh Dylan Lee is still there too. So with along with Minner. So you've got a little a few more options now. And that bullpen, you know, I know they've talked about Lopez starting. I still feel like he's gonna be a reliever. And, um, you know, even if he's a multi-inning guy, I think he's going to be in the bullpen. That bullpen's pretty impressive right now. You know, they've got enough pieces down there that if they wanted to move some guys, they probably could. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Yep. And they, and again, like I think you said this a minute ago, and it's important to point out again, we don't know how much money they have to spend. So we don't even know if they have to clear money. We're just assuming that because they are so close to the luxury tax and, you know, the penalties, I, I went over this, I did a, a show about the payroll uh, a couple of weeks ago or last week, but, you know, the, the luxury tax penalties escalate the more you're in and the higher up you go. So even if the Braves have a good amount of cash to spend, there are there is benefit to, get, to getting, you know, below certain thresholds and, uh, for the CBT and the penalties that are associated. So we are assuming that the Braves are going to want to cut some money somewhere uh but that might not be true maybe they don't care maybe they're yeah. fine i mean they maybe. may be they, they may be sitting back laughing at all this speculation just thinking yeah. hey we've got money to spend we're not we don't care you know we're packing out the battery and the uh, truest park every single night it doesn't matter but i suspect that's you know they didn't save a ton of money i think it's been overstated how much money they saved when they they did the roster purge I think that was more a, a situation of trading off, uh, getting rid of some spare parts that probably weren't going to figure in to the mix more than it was saving money. Because even a guy like Kyle Wright, he wasn't going to make but about one and one point four million through arbitration. So you know, I think that's been overstated a little bit. But at the you know at the end of the day, like you said, when you get in the tax, I think it's twenty uh, two hundred thirty seven million is the first tre- threshold. They're slightly over that, depending on where you look right now. And then I think it's twenty million past that. You know, you hit the second threshold, so you know your money just doesn't go as far. Is the is basically you know the rub on that. Uh, you know, you just end up paying you know more because of the penalties. So, be interesting to see. I mean, we'll see. Have to see where everything lands out. But um, you know, I think these winter meetings have the potential to be pretty interesting uh, next week. And uh, you know, we'll we'll be keeping an eye on it. Yep, it's going to be fun. I. You know, I grew up with the winter meetings where, and I, you know, I'm not, I think, I think you remember these as well. The winter meetings used to be amazing. Like you would get massive deals and massive deals and trades and like, it was the most fun in the world for the off season. And you've said this a couple of times on Slack, but it would be really cool to get a, like an old school winter meetings where we got like some big signings, some big trades. Like that was, that used to be the most fun part of the off season. And it, it would be cool to get back to that uh, this year. Yeah, and granted, I mean, some of that was pre-internet, so, you know, the rumors yeah. and everything wasn't out there as readily available. You know, you'd have to kind of have to read it in the paper or, you know, see it on ESPN when it would come come around. But, you know, you used to come through out of the winter meetings, and there was, you know, they were big trades that were surprising, you know, things that you didn't even think about. So, you know, I think that could really, that could really excite, you know, everybody if it happened. I mean, Basically, I, I think the offseason used to happen during the winter meetings. You know, pretty much all the big big names got moved, signed, and, you know, and then it was just rounding out your roster, you know, the rest of the way. Uh, so, you know, it'd be fun if we got one of those. I think we could. You know, it's going to be exciting when Otani signs. 
Cody Bellinger, you know, he's still out there. He's probably going to get a huge deal. And like I said, Blake Snell won the NL Cy Young. You know, I don't think any of them guys are going to be with the Braves. But, you know, the Braves have got enough – they've got enough uh, needs. You know, well, last year I was looking back. We went to the winter meetings last year. It was – I kind of wrote, like, they don't have much to do. You know, they look like their roster was set. I mean, we didn't know we were going to get injuries in the rotation. But, I mean, they had pretty much done all their heavy lifting. That's not the case this time. You know, they've got some intriguing – questions that need to be answered and um you know it's gonna be interesting to see how they do that yeah and i will say this not to not to like throw a wet blanket on it but alex has talked about in the past about he how he he doesn't really like the winter meetings because he has to like basically uh create his entire office environment into like some sort of mobile setting you know uh one it is in nashville so it's not as far away as like san diego but um alex has talked about in the past how he's not he's not really a fan of the winter meetings he doesn't like working in that environment so you know, I don't know if the Braves are going to do anything this week, but it is very possible that we could see some big deals. Otani, Yamamoto, um, you know, those guys have been posted. So, uh, yeah, we could see some big mover. And if those guys move, then that could, those could be domino effects for everybody else. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, well, you got anything else you want to hit before we get out of here? No, just uh, we appreciate it as always. Um, you know, this podcast network has been chugging right along all offseason. Uh, Sean's back in uh, in the, in the land of the healthy and, um, is doing his daily hammers again. Uh, obviously Chris and I are doing tonight's show. I don't know exactly what the schedule is for Brad and Scott, but they did not do a show last week cause it was Thanksgiving. So they might be back on this week. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, we're moving right along. We'll be here all off season and we appreciate it as always.